Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but see the reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to Of God and Man, the show that's like Simon and Garfunkel for the brain. <laughs> this is your host, Brum French. It is great, fantastic, wonderful, stupendous even to get to be back with you. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029. Let me tell you, some of you have been trying to reach me and we have been crossing paths or not crossing paths, if you will. And uh, things have just been crazy where I am. And uh, But where I'm going, it's going to be even worse. Right here, I've got phone reception, but I am heading out to upstate New York where I will have zero phone reception. If you want to reach me, go ahead and keep calling, and eventually, sooner or later, we'll be able to hook up. If you want to reach me by email, you can reach me at bf at bromfrench.com. Please shoot me an email, and uh, it will make me feel important, and uh, we can go from there. <laughs> I come from a, an apostolic Pentecostal background. Basically, what that means is I believe that the one God of all creation showed himself as a father in creation, showed himself as a son in redemption, and as the Holy Ghost in regeneration, as he regenerated our souls. I firmly believe in the book of Acts, that we ought to, you ought to speak in other tongues as the Holy Ghost is poured out. Firmly believe that you ought to live separate from the world, that there are some things that are in the world, that we're in the world, but we don't have to be a part of the world. I, I don't believe in being cross-dressers, if you will. Uh, <laughs> and I don't believe in cross-pollinating. Having said all of this, let me see if I can bring some things closer. I may not agree with everybody else. I may not agree with the Presbyterian doctrine. I may not agree with Catholicism. I may not agree with the Latter-day Saints. Theologically, I may not agree with the Jehovah's Witnesses. There are a whole bunch of people for me not to agree with on theology. However, there are some bigger issues that we have on the table. And there comes a time in our lives where we ought to be able to say, we at least agree on this. And let's work together with what we agree on. And our differences Let's put them aside for the time being. And if ever situations change and we're able to come back to our disagreements and talk about them, then so be it. I honestly believe that as a culture and as a society, that time is upon us now. That time has arrived. Because while we are fighting, and because I come from this uh, ultra-conservative background, if you will, in comparison to most other denominations in Christianity. It's very easy to get hung up. It's very easy to get tied up in not wanting to talk to you, not wanting to associate with you because your shirt is too dingy, 
because you wear shorts, <laughs> because you have a television in your house. However, are there not other reasons to bring us together? While we see a generation and a culture that is lost, that is wandering in the wilderness without any direction, is there not a bigger cause as we look around the world and see our fellow Christians who may or may not believe like I, but what difference does that make? Will I ever have a chance to help them believe the way I do if I'm too busy picking on you because you don't measure up to my expectations? There comes a point when we need to be willing to put our differences aside and say that there are bigger issues that lie ahead of us. There are bigger things that surely you and I can come into agreement on. Maybe, for instance, even in our own land, not only just in the Middle East, and I've spent quite a bit of time, we recognize that's one of the reasons we're going through the Quran, spend a lot of time there, but what about here? Are there not bigger issues that you and I can agree on here in America? What about Planned Parenthood aborting our unborn children killing our populace? What about a Supreme Court that has gone against several states and saying that homosexual marriage is okay? Are there not issues that you and I can come together on? What about an intrusive government that will take the Ten Commandments out of Oklahoma's courts and do it under the guise of freedom of religion and do it in the darkness of night? Are there not other issues that you and I can agree on that we can link arms, that we can say, I might not agree with you on the Trinity or there being one God. I may not agree with you on whether or not you ought to speak in tongues when you receive the Holy Ghost. I may not be able to agree with you on the clothes that I think I want to wear and the clothes you think you want to wear. But are there not bigger issues that we can link arms and say, you're still my brother in serving the Lord. And what we have together is greater than what we have apart. Just this weekend, a few churches in Tennessee area joined together. They're different locales, different cities. They had signs, and no, not like that one Baptist wacko church. Not the one that you know who I'm talking about. I, I'm not talking about every Baptist church, because if you're a Baptist, you're Christian. I believe you and I might have some things we can agree on and we can link arms. But I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the ones that would go and protest a military funeral. I'm not talking about the ones that would protest Kim Davis standing against the federal government. But what I am speaking about are different churches that came together in their local communities to put on a march. And they made signs, not signs filled with hate. 
not signs that would come out to condemn, but signs that would simply say, we love Jesus and Jesus loves you. Signs that would bring unity and hope to a lost world, to a world, again, that needs direction. I got to see several of these churches, their pictures, even some videos. Was not able to be in the area when it transpired, when it happened, regretfully. But I want to tell you, those that took up the cause, those that marched, those that were willing to link arms, whether they be apostolic, Lutheran, Baptist, evangelical, non-denominational, you know what? Hmm. What an amazing thing. What a beautiful thing. Isn't that what America is really about? Thank you. Thank you, Sister Frazier. Thank you, Book of Acts Pentecostal Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you for the vision. Thank you for the dream. Thank you for pushing. And isn't it time that the rest of us swallow our differences at least for a moment and say there are bigger issues at stake. There are bigger things than our theological differences. And it doesn't matter to me right now at this juncture. I may not agree with you, but we have enough issues that you and I can agree on that we can push and make a difference in our world. Thank you so much. Tell you what, let me take a break. When I come back, uh, well, we will go through the Quran, and uh, then we will go through the Bible in a trillion years. Hold on just a second. Are you a minister or pastor who has a spouse with a disorder called hoof and mouth disease? Every time they open their mouth, the hoof goes in. We're privileged to offer the new mute option. And when they're about to say it and you can hear it, you hit that mute and there is silence until the situation is resolved. Have you had that one bad sheep that says things like, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm going to do what I want anyway. You tried your best to hold it in, but it came out, and you just couldn't help it. As you said, apparently you're determined to go to hell, and I won't stand in your way. Now, with the scrambler, you might say something like, I'll be praying for you. Ministry, hurry up and get yours today. And there it is, the sound of the car crash, the collision, if you will, of Christianity and Islam, or Chrislam. We are looking, remember, we are looking to see if it is perhaps the same God, if maybe indeed Chrislam is the way to go, if Allah is the same as Jehovah of the Old Testament, Jesus of the New Testament, or is it some other God, lowercase g, altogether? Or is it maybe perhaps a 
a doctrine of devils. And so we're going to look at it closely. We're going to pick up verse number 40. We are in the cow. That's chapter 2, the cow, verse number 40. O children of Israel, remember my favor, which I bestowed upon you, and fulfill your obligations to my covenant with you, so that I will fulfill my obligations to your covenant with me. And fear none but me, and believe in what I have sent down this Quran, confirming that which is with you, the Torah and the gospel, and be, and be not the first to disbelieve therein, and buy not with my verses, the Torah, the gospel, a small price, getting a small gain by selling my verses, and fear me and me alone, and mix not truth with falsehood, nor conceal the truth. Muhammad, peace be unto him, is Allah's messenger, and his qualities are written in your scriptures, the Torah, the gospel, while you know the truth. So is this the same as Christianity? I see some problems we have here in verse number 40, because he said, O children of Israel, now remember, if you go back to Deuteronomy, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And uh, he makes it very clear that he's jealous, that he won't give his glory to any other. Isaiah brings it out extremely clearly. Jesus claims, or and is claimed by the disciples, to be the God of the Old Testament. Jesus said in more than one occasion, before Abraham was, I am. When he was in the garden, they said, they came to him seeking to take him. And he said, who do you seek? They said, Jesus. And he said, I am. And uh, in English, they put he, so we would understand what he was trying to say. But when he said, I am, they fell over backwards, about 50 of them, as though they were dead. So Jesus clearly claims to be the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Clearly, the disciples believed this. And you can't help but see the New Testament filled with that theology. But here in verse 40 of the cow, he said, O children of Israel, remember my favor which I bestowed upon you and fulfill your obligations to my, to my covenant with you so that I may fulfill my obligations to your covenant with me and fear none but me. And so now we see where he is claiming Allah, apparently, is claiming to be the only one true God. Now, the problem we have <clears throat> is this the same God that Moses communed with, that gave Moses the Torah, that gave Moses the insight into creation? Is this the same God? Because if it's the same God, he's going to say the same things. And we saw last time as we're going through the Quran that this opposed, supposed God talked about Adam and Eve being kicked out of paradise, but that they were kicked down as though paradise was in heaven, which is completely contrary to the scripture. And going back, you see where the serpent played a different role. Everything was backwards. Just a hint of truth. Boy, does that sound familiar? Isn't that exactly what the serpent did to Adam and Eve in the garden? Just a hint of truth. 
So now the next question is, is this the same God? He said, fear none but me. This is what Allah apparently is saying. Fear none but me, only me. And believe in what I've sent down, this Quran, confirming that which is with you, the Torah and the gospel. The problem we have is the Quran confirms neither. As a matter of fact, it goes and says different. You can't confirm while arguing. <laughs> and be not the first to disbelieve therein. And by not with my verses, the Torah and the gospel, a small price getting small gain by, my, by selling my verses. In other words, hold on to the Quran and disbelieve the gospel. Disbelieve the Torah. And fear me and me alone. Oh, I firmly believe and understand the God of the Old Testament made it very clear that he was the one. But he asked some questions. He said, is there another beside me? I know not any. He made it abundantly clear that he was the only one. The problem is that Allah says something different than Jehovah. They cannot be the same God or God has a multiple personality disorder and is schizophrenic. I don't believe that's the case. <laughs> Let's go on to verse number 42. And mix not truth with falsehood. Now that is a problem with Chrislam. Chrislam's attempt to mix Christianity with Islam is mixing the truth with falsehood. Nor conceal the truth. Muhammad, peace be unto him, is Allah's messenger and his qualities are written in your scriptures. The Torah and the Gospels while you know the truth. Yes, you're right. They are written. His qualities are written. In my estimation, it's written, I believe it was written by Paul, when he said something that kind of went a little bit like this. In the last days, many antichrists shall come. I think that pretty much sums it up. It still is a doctrine of devils. Let me take a break. When I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. Hold on just a second. Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sins are approached to any people. And we are back. And we're about to go to the Bible in a quadrillion years. We're in Genesis, Genesis chapter 38. We're going to pick up at verse number 8 and go from verse number 8 to verse number 10. The Bible says this, Genesis chapter 38, verse number 8. And Judah said unto Onan, Go in unto thy brother's wife and marry her and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. And it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. 
and the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. If we're going to back up, you recognize that Er has uh, died not giving seed, not giving child to his wife because he was wicked in the sight of the Lord. Now, this part where we're picking up verse number eight has confused me forever. <laughs> Wrapping my brain around this just took some doing. Why in the world would God kill this guy? Because he would not sleep with his sister-in-law. Um, I've had some sister-in-laws, and, and please don't be offended, but I want to sleep with them. Uh, uh, that was my brother's wife. You know what I'm saying? That's, it's kind of sick. <laughs> anyway, so why would the Lord slay him? And then I saw the one little niche, that one, just what, two, three words that made it so abundantly clear. So we're going to look at it part by part again, and we're going to get there, and we're going to zone in. We're going to zero in like a laser beam and find out exactly the reason why. Verse number eight, Judah said unto Onan, go in unto thy brother's wife, so this is Er's wife, and marry her and raise up seed to thy brother. And so now Er has died, and his brother is going to go in unto his wife and sleep with her. And she's going to be his wife as well, and they're going to have children. But verse number nine is the key. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his. It came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground. Now, why is that significant? Because Onan was not kingdom-minded, but self-minded. Because the world revolved around Onan in Onan's mind. Because nothing was beyond him in his own thoughts. Understanding that he was going to raise up seed to air, and air was wicked. The Bible says so. The first time the Bible ever said so about anybody. The Bible says that Er was wicked in the sight of the Lord. Nonetheless, Onan was self-minded and not kingdom-minded and did not raise the seed to his brother's wife. How is this important? Why is this important to you and I today? Because especially if you are in ministry, when you're in ministry, you want everything to revolve around you. If I'm preaching, I want a great response from the crowd. I want a great altar call. I want God to move. And if I'm supposed to be preaching, don't you come preach when I'm supposed to be preaching. Don't you dare steal my praise, my glory. You see, you're self-minded and not kingdom-minded. If you're kingdom-minded... You don't mind raising up seed to somebody else. This is crazy, I know. But can I tell you, in the times that I have pastored, what difference did it make to me if the people I won decided they wanted to go to the church that I pastored or they wanted to go to the other church down the road a little while that preached the truth? What difference did it make to me? Because this thing is about the kingdom. 
not about me. Not about what I think. Not about who gets the glory, who gets the praise. We stifle the move of God and we abort the things that God wants to do because we're scared somebody else is going to get the glory. The child's going to be named after heir, but it was my seed. And because of this, we don't reach out. Because of this, we don't show the effort. You know, Ronald Reagan had a saying from the story, legend has it at least, that he had a thing on his desk that said, a plaque that said or insinuated, it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as the job gets done. I just butchered it, but that's basically the gist of it. And so here Onan is upset that somebody else is going to get the credit. Somebody else is going to get the notoriety. It's going to be somebody else's, this son. And so he spills it on the ground. He wastes the seed that God gave him. He wasted it. How many times have we wasted what God has given us because we didn't want somebody else to get the credit. Because we didn't want somebody else to be blessed. And think about it. I understand in hu human mindset, flesh. Why am I going to work eight hours a day and give my check to somebody else? That's why socialism doesn't work. Why am I going to go in and sleep with my brother's wife to give her seed? To give seed to him. He was nothing but a scoundrel. And so we have aborted what God wanted to do through us. And recognize when you do this, you have displeased the heavens. You have displeased God. God doesn't care who gets the attention. He cares, have you been obedient? Did you raise seed unto me? Verse number 10, the Bible said, And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. This is one of the reasons why we are living to see a day as the church becomes more and more self-minded. Self-conscious is not necessarily a good thing. We are more and more self-centered. And in being self-centered, we have watched as the movement of the Spirit of God and the presence of God has been stifled. Stifled out of our churches. And here again, remember, I'm coming from an apostolic Pentecostal background. Belief in one God. Infilling of the Holy Ghost. Living a life pleasing to the Lord. This is our core beliefs. But we don't dare win somebody because they may choose to go to another church that maybe they have the same views that I have, but maybe they spoke against me. Maybe they came against me. Maybe it's just not my church. So I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be irritated. I'm going to be aggravated. But if I'm kingdom-minded, bless God, I was used by the Lord 
to reach into the pits of hell and pull out another soul. After all, isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that truly what ministry is? Instead, what we do is we get upset and we harp because somebody left the church that we started and going somewhere else. Recognize the scripture is abundantly clear what transpired with this story. Onan refused to raise seed to his brother. Even though his brother was wicked, even though his brother was evil, even though his brother was contrary to everything that would please God, he refused to raise seed to him and it displeased the Lord. It displeased God because he was so self-centered and self-minded that he could not put aside his own personal feelings for the bigger objective. I want to make the biggest difference in the kingdom of God that I can. That's one of the reasons I don't dare get so upset with my brother that I can't see past our differences. Why I don't dare get hung up so much that I cannot budge in my compassion and love for them. Because if the Lord calls me to give seed or to win somebody that I know is going to go somewhere else, that's not my call. It's simply my call to raise seed. It's simply my call to do what God has called me to do. And if I do that, everything else is going to be okay. I'm running out of time. We will talk to you later. <laughs>